All right, so I know we're coming from all different backgrounds in the room. We have different issues and heartaches coming from marriage in our past, right? You might be a student here and you have not seen the marriage relationship in your life. Maybe you had parents uh, that were divorced. Maybe you had parents that never came together that were married. Maybe you have parents that are out of the picture. And so you're wondering, what does a healthy marriage look like? Or you may have been married and you've gone through the painful experience of a divorce. Um, and one thing that I have found in talking to people who have been through that process is they don't wish that on another person. right? They, they want to help people avoid that pain and heartache. I don't know your situation um, in your own marriage relationship. It might be a time of enjoyment and fulfillment. It might be a tough time right now. And so one thing I don't do, I don't beat people down from the pulpit, but what I want to make sure we do is that we see what God has to say when it comes to marriage. Now, I also know with a seventh grade daughter in the room, not everybody's ready for marriage, right? But this is, what, this is how I feel with some of the students in the room. On Mondays, Chicago, what do we do football season? What do we watch? Film. Right. This is a blueprint of how we're going to be. It's, it's called scouting reports. Right. We'll give our scouting report to our football team on Monday. The team we're playing Friday. Right. We want to be prepared to beat the team on Friday. And so what I'm doing for the singles in the room, this is your scouting report for marriage. If you want a healthy marriage, you got to go to the book. What does God have to say about marriage? We talked about last week how uh, we had Prestige Electric come in and wire the building for lights. And what I didn't do is after they gave me the blueprint was say, you know what? I don't like the wires running there and I don't like the wires running there. I think we'll take this wire and put it here um, so that when you come in and you flip on that switch, the lights on the kitchen light up. Like, like we wouldn't do that with electric. I never would. Right? I'll never, ever touch electric because of how dangerous and how inadequate I am at electric. However, we do that with marriage. We think, you know what, I know best, I know how this thing works, I've got this covered, I don't need your input. And yet, what we see is, in the Bible, God designs marriage, He also regulates marriage. And so if you want to have a healthy marriage, you've got to go to the blueprint. And then we saw with what Pope, Coach Pope just read, um, in, in Ephesians 5, there's this mystery. And I love that Paul doesn't leave it as a mystery. Um, he says the mystery is this, that he is referring to Christ and the church. He's talking to husbands and wives, and then he says, I'm talking about Christ and the church. Here's the crazy part. My marriage with Julianne should be a reflection on a greater marriage, something we are all invited into. Now, this is the cool part with singles and with struggling marriages and with all of the hurt and heartache that comes. What happens is we find our greatest joy and fulfillment and purpose in the greater marriage of Christ and his bride, the church. And so we should be a reflection of that. Now, I've got a couple of pictures I want to show you, and these are reflections of realities. One is of Red River Gorge. This is the natural bridge. Right? It's one thing to see this as a picture. It's another thing to go there with your wife and three little girls and walk on this with no edges. Right? And we have some girls that are pretty brave and they get closer and I'm having a heart attack. Like, no, come back here. Right? That is too close to the edge. This is higher than it looks when you're on top than when you're looking at it as a picture. But it is a good reflection. Right? Red River Gorge. Or this is Orange Beach. It's one thing to see a picture of the beach. 
It's a totally different thing to have your feet in the sand, to smell the salt water, to feel the ocean breeze, to look out as far as the eye can see and see the, the blue waves hitting the blue sky. That is a sight to behold. This at best is just a reflection. And that's what our marriages do. The healthiest marriage on the planet is just a reflection of something far greater. So don't think that a healthy marriage will complete you. It won't. God will. That's the greater marriage I want us to be focused on. Have you guys ever thought about your marriage that way? I know for me, when I was getting ready to get married and we were young and everybody had advice to give, um, and be careful about getting advice from people, because um, what I found out, I mailed out letters to people at our church, um, and then years later, come to find out, you guys can put on a show, right? Julianne and I can come here for an hour on Sunday, and you guys think we got it all together. What I found out were healthy marriages are hard to find. And so I wrote letters to, I think it was about 120 couples at our church, asking them, hey, do you have any advice or recommendations? Wrote them a letter, mailed it to them. And I got some back. A lot of them didn't mail it back. And I found out a lot of guys didn't mail it back because they didn't have any advice to give because they felt inadequate in their own marriage relationship. And I thought, man, this is, this is tough. Here's somebody that looks like they have it all together, and yet they're hiding this. Um, we got to grow here. And then uh, I told you about the survey. Um, last week, we have a lot of students at Holmes High School who don't see a healthy marriage in their lives, and yet they want to pursue marriage. And, and so I want to, to see this happen. Um, I, I've got a goal, uh, something, I've got a picture of the future of Covington and, and, and Holmes High School, and it's radically different than how it looks now. But I also have a picture of how I would look like if I lost 55 pounds, all right? And in my mind, I have this idea, yes, I'm getting older, but I can still get back in shape, right? And so I'm running and working out and trying to get back in shape. But if I keep on saying, you know, I've got to lose 55 pounds, and then I pick up one of those plates, that 45-pound weights, I'm thinking, man, I've got to lose even more than this. That's a lot of pounds to lose. How do I do that? I need to come back to do bite-sized things, like maybe not eat three double-stuffed Oreos at night, just do two right and just cut back maybe I need to run more after school when I have some time instead of go home and relax right there's a lot of things I can do and that becomes bite-sized then I can get down maybe I can lose five pounds in a month and then 20 and then four and then get to the 55 pound goal well one area that we need to improve on in Covington and a big change that will happen in our city and in our schools is the family and when I talk about the families I'm talking about a marriage and I said this last week, Covington will change when the neighborhoods that make it up will change. There's so many neighborhoods that make up Covington. And those neighborhoods will change one street at a time, one house at a time. And the house changes when the parents change. I think a healthy marriage leads to healthy families. Healthy families lead to healthy streets. Healthy streets lead to healthy, healthy neighborhoods. And so that's why we want to pour into marriage. So I don't want you guys to... to to feel awkward now, but if your marriage is struggling, we want to make sure you have the resources to get help. Don't give up. Get help. All right? And we'll do whatever we can to push you towards that. None of us in the room have a perfect marriage. All right? And I'm glad Julianne's in the room today. She was in the nursery last, last week, so I could have said anything gotten away with it. Can't this week. Uh, we don't have it all. We're on our journey together. 
But I will say this, man, it's an awesome thing when you get this picture of Christ in the church and you're, you're trying to figure out, so, so how can I love Julianne how Jesus loves the church? Like that's a radically different mindset than I think a lot of people have in marriages. But that's where I want us to go. All right. So with that said, I'm going to do a little bit of a recap uh, from last week because I know we got different people in the room. And so it's going to feel like I'm moving fast, but we're just doing a little review. All right. So number one, marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. A covenant is more intimate and personal than a contract. Uh, I talked about how we had to renew our contracts at homes. We get one year contracts, all teachers and staff. They come. What are your intentions? You're signed to a a year, uh, one year deal. Um, that's not how Julianne and I got married. She didn't come and say, hey, this is what you need to do. Um, this will be a five-year commitment, and we'll see. We might renew. We might not afterwards. Right? It's, it's more intimate and personal than that, but it's more binding and unconditional than a relationship based on mere feelings and affection. Right? And we talked about friends. Um, I, I know uh, I have a lot of good friends, um, but they can come and go. And if someone's getting on your nerves, you can say, hey, you know what? I'm not hanging out with you this weekend. Right? We're going to do something different. It's more than a feeling. Right? And so then you see this covenant. And we talked a little bit about a covenant relationship versus a consumer relationship. And how uh, we use the example how a lot of parents will treat their children with covenant relationships. Right? No matter how bad your child is, you're going to love that kid. No matter how awful the smell of the diaper, your covenant relationship and how you act with them as a covenant will lead you to change the diaper. Nobody looks forward to that. However, when you look at the marriage relationship, what happens is a lot of times, instead of treating it as a covenant relationship, we treat it as a consumer relationship. You know what? My wife's getting on my nerves. I'm not going to worry about that today. You know what? I, don't, I can't stand when she does this. Um, I'm, I'm doing this today. You know what? I want to watch TV. I know she wants to watch TV. I don't care. I'm watching Sports Center. Right? And then what happens, and here's the crazy part, uh, once the kids leave and there's an empty nest and nothing keeps them together because the love that their children covenant, they stay with them, love for a spouse, consumer, it's not, the need's not met, I'm going to go find it somewhere else. That's how powerful relating in terms of a covenant is. That's super important. All right. So covenant relationship, and then we talked about commitments. And then commitments, we had two commitments. One was a commitment to humility. The biggest problem in your marriage is selfishness. And and we talked about how awesome it would be. You have the potential to have a healthy marriage if the husband will come in and say, you know what, the biggest detriment to this marriage is my selfishness. And the the wife coming in and saying, you know what, the biggest problem to this marriage is my selfishness. If you have two people coming in with that mindset, you have the potential for a healthy and happy marriage. Unfortunately, that's a rare thing to find. You want to know what? I don't see this in the six years that I've coached baseball or basketball and football at Holmes High School. Um, humility is not one of those characteristics I would use for most of our players. This is a foreign concept in our time. However, if you want to have a healthy marriage, commit to you putting the needs of your spouse ahead of your own needs. In Philippians 2.3 it says, In humility count others as more significant than yourself. That's how a husband should treat his wife, how a wife should treat her husband. That's very, very difficult. It takes a commitment. And you're going to use second chances and third chances, but pursue that. Humbly serve the other. And then we talked about the commitment to holiness. Commitment to holiness. Here's the cool part. If you know Christ, he's shaping you and transforming you. 
You're on a journey. And so there's a couple of passages I want you to hear. 1 John 3, 2 says, We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know this, that when Jesus appears, we'll be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. That's transformation. You're in the middle of changing. In 2 Corinthians 3.18 it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And this is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Again, there is a change happening. And then finally, in Colossians 3, it talks about uh, you are created as a new self and you're putting off your old self and putting on your new self. And this is one thing that Julianne helps me with. Hey, you're selfish, and that's not who God created you to be. You, you, you were selfish in this instance with our family. That's not who God... And so we pursue holiness together. And so I'm pursuing it myself on the journey. But you know what? I have blind spots. And so what happens, if you're driving down the road, and you're getting ready to change lanes, and the car in your blind spot honks the horn, you can get mad, and you can come on over. You can get in an accident if you want to. Or you can be thankful for the precaution, avoid an accident, stay in your lane, get over when it's safe. The cool part is when you have spouses pursuing holiness together, you have a chance for growth. Is this a goal in your marriage? I have to ask, is this a goal in, in my marriage? What does this look like? And we're going to talk a little bit about this today. But that's a commitment. Are you committed to humility? Are you committed to holiness? All right, that was all review. Now we're digging into point number three. Marriage is for companionship. Marriage is for companionship. You guys know in Genesis chapter one and two, um, God had a busy week, right? In six days, he creates the heavens and the earth and everything in it. It says on the seventh day, he rested and behold, everything is very good. After each day, creates the sun, the moon, the stars, and it is good. Creates the animals, everything that crawls, everything that's in the sea, and it is very good. And it's, it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. Right? Genesis 1, Genesis 2. Everything is good, 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 very good. And then you get to Adam alone in the garden, and then it says, it is not good for man to be alone. That's a huge thing that sticks out to us in Genesis chapter 2. And so we see that God creates Eve. Um, he said he creates a helper fit for Adam, the, the English word doesn't help us there fit. It, it's like a suitable helper. It's, and it's referring back to companionship where Adam's able to do what God's called him to do only when he has his helper. And, and that's why Adam rejoices, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Like this is a praise. This is a great thing that finally he's found some help. Right? And it's, it's companionship. And so I, I want us to see this. Um, when you get to the marriage relationship, you've got to make it a priority. So if I looked at your life right now, what's your biggest priority, right? This comes first, this is second, and, and so you can include work, you can include hobbies, you can include relationships, and I want you to be specific. Just get a mental note of your priorities. And this is what you see biblically. Priority number one is your walk with Christ. Priority number one is your walk with Christ. And, and here's why. My walk with Christ is vital to my walk with my spouse. And so check out why. If I'm not walking with Christ, it will be impossible to love and to serve my wife how Jesus has called me to love and serve her. A page over in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 22, you get characteristics that come through walking with Christ, right? It's called fruit of the Spirit, but in there you get love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control. 
All of this flows from walking with Jesus. So now here's the cool part. This is, this is something that, that I, can't, uh, I can't stress enough. If your marriage doesn't have love, it's probably because you're operating on an empty tank. You cannot give what you do not have. But this is what I've noticed. When I'm walking with Christ and I know the love Jesus has for me, that overflows in love for my spouse. If you have a joyless marriage, it's probably because your walk with Christ doesn't have much joy. But when I see in the presence of God is the fullness of joy, walking with Christ is filling me with joy, all of a sudden my marriage becomes more joyful. And it goes with every characteristic. And so I, I have to gauge myself. Like when, when students at school, like I'm tired of taking cell phones and, and I get impatient, all of a sudden I go back and say, oh, that might be a good gauge and indicator of my walk with Christ. Have I experienced the patience Christ has with my sin and my shortcoming? And then when I realize, oh, Christ is patient with me, I can be patient with others. I think that's priority number one, your walk with Christ. Um, priority number two, your relationship with your spouse. Your wife or your husband is number two behind only Jesus Christ. And what I've found uh, to happen is in different seasons of marriage, we move spouse out and let other things come in, and then heartache ensues. So I'll use the example of my buddy, uh, Ryan Curtis, uh, great, great baseball player, great shooter on the basketball court, great tennis player, right? Dude's a pretty good athlete. He plays for a legitimate softball team. Um, I can't play softball. I've tried. They put me at first base, and then when I can't catch the ball at first base, they put me at catcher, which is basically a useless position in softball. This guy plays the hot corner, third base, where you get hit and you got about this long to react to a softball coming at your head. Right? He's able to, to field it. He's able to throw it. Um, he was so good, he got up to what's level C softball. Right? He was getting close to getting paid to go on tournaments all over the United States. The only problem was the tournaments were every weekend. And so when he was single, he was able to do this. And then as the sponsorship started to, oh, maybe I can get this, maybe I can get paid for this. I don't have to pay for anything, and I can go to Florida in the winter and play softball. That sounds like an awesome deal, right? And he was loving it, but the problem was it was taking a toll now on his new relationship in marriage. And he said, I could see it in my wife that she was struggling. She wouldn't tell me, but I could tell. And he goes, after a year, after a season of softball, he goes, you know what, I've decided to, to stop doing that. He made a priority. You, you can't have it both ways. And so for him, he's like, softball, while it's fun and it's awesome, if I can get paid to play a game, like that's a pretty cool deal. But he says, it's not worth my wife and my kids. So he laid it down. I, I thought that's what we need to see. Um, and there's a lot of things that will compete for your attention. And these are, these are a few examples of what I've seen in marriages um, take the place of a spouse. I've seen children take the place of a spouse. Where a relationship between a mother and a daughter or a mother and a son uh, become overbearing to the spouse relationship, the marriage relationship. So you've got to be careful. And I understand those are landmines, right? And so you don't want, so let's say that you got a husband and wife. And the wife is... Uh, is struggling with a dad, and that relationship is over. So the husband says, you know what, we need to do this and, and do this, and, and let's go here together, and they decide to do that. But then dad comes in, well, you're an idiot. You can't afford that. You can't do that. And then the wife comes back, you know what, we're not doing that. 
That's why I'm saying all of a sudden now priority is given to the father-in-law. And now here's what's worse. If a wife comes to the husband and says, you know what, if you don't like it, you go talk to my dad. Right. And, and I've seen and, and that that just destroys a marriage. And you put wedges and family dynamics. And now all of a sudden Christmas is awkward and Thanksgiving. Nobody wants to eat together and landmines. Right. Because that's a pseudo spouse. Your number one priority is Christ. Your number two priority is your spouse. And so I've seen children jump in the way. I've seen hobbies jump in the way. I've seen friends jump in the way. And, and so just think this past month, get in your head. And I got to be careful with this because I was close on in a few months. Have you hung out with your friends more than you've dated your wife? You might have a pseudo spouse where you're putting more emphasis on friends than you are your spouse. That, that's a warning sign, right? So I got to be careful with that. Um, family relationships, we already talked about moms and dads and, and brothers and sisters work, right? And so let's say marriage is frustrating and you said, forget that. I'm going to pour myself into my work um, and that'll be my spouse for a while. That's, that's a problem, right? And now also understand there's seasons. Right, and, and I know coming to, to Covington, there was a season where, um, and, and every year, Julianne can, can vouch for this, um, at the beginning of the school year is a tough season for uh, me and Julianne. And so we're both teaching, to, or she's teaching, I'm working security, but then football season takes up a bunch of time. And, and she knows, and, I know, and, and I'm trying to gauge, like, is this worth doing? Is it worth pouring into some young men? But we have to have honest conversations during that season. And there's sometimes where I have to tell the head coach, listen, I've got my daughter's game. I can't miss. I've got to go to it. And luckily, I have a coach that works with me. If not, I've got to make a decision, right, because I will not put football ahead of my marriage relationship. All right, so all of us have things that we got to look at our priority. Priority number one, Jesus. Priority number two, spouse. With that said, you want to be on mission together. And this is where companionship comes up. Right? Some of my closest friends in high school were with me on Friday night on the football field because we were going through some battles together. That forms companionship. And so I look in the marriage relationship, what is Julianne and I pursuing together? One, it's holiness. Right? We want to look more and more like Christ, and she's helping me look more like Christ, and I'm helping her look more like Christ. And then we want to be a reflection of Christ and the church. Like That's an awesome opportunity. That's an awesome goal to shoot for. Right? And that's a daily opportunity. I can show Jesus off by how I love my wife, Julianne. And so that's the mission we're on. And so I've got a picture of Camden. We went to Zip City, which is an awesome place. If you weigh less than 250, right, you can do the trampolines and all the, the obstacles. Unfortunately, I didn't make the weight limits. I couldn't do it. Right here, you got the, the rock climbing wall. And up here, you don't see it. Up here are bells, right? And so I've got a seventh grader, a third grader, and a first grader. And listen, she will never, ever be left behind. Right? She's super competitive. She doesn't want to be last. If she's last, she says everybody cheated. Um, she, is, she gets after it. Right? And so they're climbing up. They're doing good. She sees them, but she also sees this bell, and they know she knows everybody's climbing to the bell. She gets up to the top. Bam! Rings the bell. Awesome. Until after hitting the bell, she looked down. And then she realized how high she climbed. She looks down. You guys can see the harness and the string holding her up. She didn't trust this thing. And so she's trying to climb down, but she can't get her footholds and her, her handholds. And she looks down, she just starts melting down. I can't get down, right? And luckily there was a lady over here, climbs up, helps her down. She makes it fine. She was fine as long as her eyes were on the bell. She had a mission. But when she took her eyes off the mission, she panicked. 
And I think a lot of times in marriages, we have our eyes on so many different missions that aren't good missions. And so let's say your mission is to train up your kids and get them out. And that's a good thing. It's not the best thing. But what happens once you get the kids out? Your mission's over. And you start looking around like, why am I with this guy? Why am I with this lady? But if your mission is pursuing Christ for a lifetime and being a picture of Christ and His bride, the church, that's a lifetime mission. You'll keep growing and growing and climbing and climbing until one day you meet Christ face to face. And then hit the bell. But keep climbing upward. You guys know some of the movies. And I tried to get movies that everybody in the room would know. How many of you guys have heard of The Dirty Dozen? Military movie back in the day. That's for, that's for some of the... I'm not going to say it. That's, that's for a crew in here. How many of you guys know, remember The Titans? That came out when I was in high school. Remember The Titans? How many of you guys know Avengers? It's huge right now. Right? All of those movies picture a group coming together where their differences make them stronger, but they're together to accomplish a mission. If we see marriage as that, that will unite instead of divide. And that's the cool part with Julianne. Julianne knew when we got engaged that I was going to be a pastor. Now listen, some girls would run from that, right? I don't want any part of that. Now Julianne, Julianne understood, Julianne, I don't know where God will lead us. Um, and here's the crazy part. God's led us all over the place. Uh, we were in the country with cows, and now we're in the city at Covenant. And, and man, she never, ever hesitated. When we moved into a parsonage where the steps to the downstairs were falling apart and dead animals were in the walls, she didn't hesitate. And then when I said, we're moving to the city of Covington with three young girls, she doesn't hesitate. She's like, let's go. Let's find a spot. And then when I said, you know what, we got to move in with my mom and my dad because we can't find a house. And, you know, I kind of just quit my job to go to Covington. Banks don't like that. Uh, she doesn't hesitate. Why? Because we're on mission together. When you're on mission, it brings you together. It doesn't divide. So make sure your mission is worth going after together. I encourage you to let it be the biblical mission of pursuing holiness together and then reflecting Christ in this church. All right. And then finally, and, and this is... This is some pretty powerful stuff. This is some how-to stuff. Uh, marriage offers capabilities. Marriage offers capabilities. Uh, number one, the capability to be honest, to show you the truth about who you are. No one knows me better than Julianne. In marriage, we have two people who are closer to each other than anyone else on the planet. Think about it. I have to make more decisions, game-changing decisions with my wife than anyone else. My emotions, health, finances, eating habits, sleeping habits, energy, patience, or lack thereof affect my spouse more than anyone else on the planet. If I'm having a bad day, Julianne will know about it. If something great has happened, Julianne will know about it. You see, some of you guys know me as a pastor. Some of you know me as a coach. Some people know me as security. Julianne knows me as all of those. No one knows me better than Julianne. And now she has the opportunity to speak truth into my life. I'm trying to think. Um, I, I think this is a, a good quote from Tim Keller. It says, marriage does not so much bring you into confrontation with your spouse, but more so confrontation with yourself. Marriage shows you a realistic, unflattering picture of who you are and says, you're going to pay attention to this. I can say I'm unselfish, but if the person I spend and knows me best says I'm selfish, guess what? I'm selfish. 
So she has the opportunity to be honest. And if the goal is holiness, that is an opportunity to grow. But you wonder what I found in a lot of relationships. And now listen, this isn't just marriage relationships. This is coaching relationships, teaching relationships, work relationships. When people are honest, the person that's hearing the truth usually gets defensive or makes excuses. Well, Julian, I was impatient because the girls were an idiot. Right? And so I try to defend myself and I try to rationalize that. Well, I might have been selfish, Julian, but when's the last time you did this? Right? That's a lot of times how relationships work, and that's a dangerous thing. So one thing I need to remember, oh, we're committed to humility and holiness. We're going together to look like Christ in the church. Julian says, hey, I'm selfish here. Probably selfish, I'm going to get rid of that. So it's, you've got the gold versus impurities illustration I think is helpful. Now, this is homework for spouses in the room. I want you to sit down with your spouse. And, and I know this is tough, and you might not be able to do this, but I want you to sit down and have an honest conversation. And so, Julian, hey, listen, I am walking with Christ. I'm trying to look more and more like him. God is transforming me to look and be like Christ, gentle, loving kindness, self-control, all that good stuff. Can you tell me areas where you see improvement? Can you show me areas where there are impurities? And the cool part with refining gold, what happens is the impurities melt off and gone away, and only the gold is left. That's how marriage should be. And so I want you to have an honest conversation with your spouse tonight. Make sure you pray. Ask God to give you patience and wisdom. Don't bite back. Don't get defensive. See it as an opportunity to grow. And what I need to see is, all right, so this is true, this is true, this is true. I'm throwing this off, and I'm pursuing this. So I'll say, hey, Joanne, I see the, the way you treat our girls and how you're being selfless there. That's awesome. That's something God's doing, and you keep going there. And then let's say uh, Joanne's being greedy with wanting to buy stuff. She's not. This is just an example. Um, let's say she's being greedy with wanting to buy stuff, and I say, hey, Joanne, listen, we can't have a new car, right? Our, our minivan stinks, but we can't buy a new one. Uh, we can't afford it. Um, make sure you're, you're content with what Christ has given us. Um, let's throw off that wanting to have something this that we can't afford. And then she'll see it as an opportunity to grow and throw it off. Now listen, those conversations are very, very tough to have. But you want to see a marriage that grows? Have those conversations on a regular basis. All right? So a commitment to be honest. Commitment to be honest. Number two, the capability to be loving. If Julianne says she doesn't care about my hair and loves me anyways, I could care less if Phil calls me a bald head a hundred times in the cafeteria, right? Um, this past week, I have black pants. I don't know what happened to them, right? They shrunk. <laughs> now, now, wait, they're short. They're not tied around the waist yet. They're short. And so what happens is uh, I've got a group that comes up and go, oh, I see you got your high waders on again today, right? Julianne's never made a comment on my style. She says, I'm handsome. I don't care what somebody says. And uh, Thursday was that big rainstorm. And so on Friday, they showed up and go, oh, I know why you wore those high waders. And I go, they're capris. They're not high waders, right? Uh, but they've got, it's because of that storm. Man, you were smart looking ahead. They're still ripping me. I don't care. Why? Because she says it's all right. That's the power <laughs> of love in a relationship. We'll keep going. There is a unique power to heal hurts, and to convince our spouse of his or her own distinctive beauty, worth, and ability. 
I got some guys that can give references for a job, but if I apply for a job and I'm thinking, I don't know if I can do this or not, and Joanne says, you can more than do that job. I have all the confidence in the world because the one who knows my weaknesses and my strengths says, I can do this. A lot of people only see certain aspects of my life. Do you see the unique power of the marriage relationship? And so I want to go into this, and I'm not going to spend much time. You guys can do homework on this because the, the next point is going to be the most important. Um, but there was a guy that wrote uh, The Five Love Languages, Gary Chapman. Um, I like some of his stuff. I really don't like some of his other stuff. And, and he talks about how, like, if you don't communicate to your spouse in the way that she communicates love, she'll end up being bitter and not liking you. Uh, the only problem with that is that's not gospel. Like, when I see Jesus on the cross for dying for his bride, the church, I mean, he wasn't there dying because we spoke in a language that he thought was loving, right? He goes to the cross even while we were sinners and dies for us, not because we were good, but because we were bad. And his death transforms us. And so I want us to be careful with this. This is just helpful advice, all right? That's all it is. And so he says there's hey, five ways to communicate love. Right? And it's interesting to look at my daughters, too, because and the, coach, and the players I coach. Um, words of affirmation is one way to communicate and receive love. So you can write a card. You can write a note. Um, you can give compliments when something is done well. You can build up with your words. Those are words of affirmation. Number two, uh, physical touch. Um, this is hugs, kisses, uh, sex in the marriage relationship. Um, physical touch, right? Uh, we're going down in the van. Julianne reaches over, grabs my hand. That's physical touch. Receiving gifts. Um, thoughtfulness. Uh, make your spouse a priority. This, um, I'll give credit because I, I give him a hard time when it, whenever he messes up. Tracy Pope uh, knocked this out for Valentine's Day, right? Um, Julianne and I don't do much for Valentine's Day because we, we got a wedding anniversary coming up. Um, I use that as the excuse. I think she's okay with it. Um, but Tracy Pope for Valentine's Day is online looking at ladies' boots. And I just got a little bit nervous because he was wearing boots earlier, and I called him. I'm like, why are you wearing women's boots? And he's like, they're not women's boots. These are in style for men. And, and so he was looking at ladies' boots, and I thought, this is really ladies' boots. Um, Tracy, what are you doing? He's like, it's for my wife, Brown, right? And, and he had researched and found out shoe size. How many of husbands, don't, don't raise your hand and show everybody else up, how many husbands in the room know the shoe size of their wife? <laughs> yeah, you better. Don't worry, Simon. And so he looked up, he knew the size, he knew the style, and he ordered those, he knocked it out for Valentine's Day. Uh, that's how you, you can receive and give gifts um, in a way to receive and give love. Quality time. Um, this is uh, the cool thing we did for our anniversary this year was just hang out for the day. Um, didn't matter what we were doing. As a matter of fact, we threw axes, right? And so quality time. We didn't care what we were doing. We were together. We were able to talk, have great conversation. We went to a bookstore. We threw axes, um, had a great cheeseburger, um, and just went to some different stores. But we were, I was with Julianne, and we got to hang out, and we needed that because we hadn't had it in a long time. And then acts of service. Um, Whenever a spouse comes up, so for us, we park in the garage, come up the stairs, and the first thing you see is the kitchen, right? It can be an act of service if I see, man, there's dishes all over the place. I got to wash them. Like, nobody gets excited about washing dishes, husbands or wives. That can be an act of service. You can communicate love to your spouse by doing the dishes. Um, for me, I would think with three girls, somebody would be willing to massage my feet after being on them all day. Um, I have yet to have the daughter, even 
the one that's a daddy's girl will not massage my feet, right? Acts of service. Ways to go above and beyond. So, with, with all these, now here's the thing. Julianne has to be open and honest with me when it comes to these five things, right? I'm not going to be able to pick up, if she expects me to know the way she wants to receive and communicate. Now, all of us are all five of these, but some of these stand out. Like for me, you can write me a note, give me a card for my birthday. I don't care. If you put a $25 gift card in there to Dunkin' Donuts, now we're talking. Like, <laughs> Shugs, Shugs texted me today, hey, you want a coffee from Dunkin' Donuts? Man. Yes, that is awesome. So I'm more down here with, but now here's the crazy part. Your taste will change. So I don't know if there's any research on this on taste buds. Um, I used to be a Mountain Dew only guy. Mountain Dew was my drink of choice. If I had a 12 pack Mountain Dew, I was fine. Now all of a sudden I've started to get a taste for Dr. Pepper. My dad liked coleslaw from Captain D's and I made fun of him. Like that's old man, like you don't get coleslaw. Now from Lee's, guess what I get? coleslaw right and so it changed and so you got to continually be open and honest hey uh julian i don't really care about words of affirmation but receiving it whatever it is be open and honest but then you also got to commit don't be bitter now that you know your spouse knows how you communicate and, and express love if they don't respond that way right and that's where grace comes in and, that, and that's our, our last thing um the thing that holds honesty and love together is grace and so those are the three things you got. You got to be honest and you got to be loving. And then grace, being gracious, holds those two together. And so a lot of times a spouse, if you, all you are is honest, you're going to lead to your other spouse being bitter and never, ever, ever able to meet your standards. Right. If all I do is point out what she does wrong, she's going to become bitter and resent. I even speak up. But then on the opposite end, if all you are is loving. So let's say a, a spouse goes to the other person and says, hey, you, we've got to improve here. And that spouse just blows up. Well, she's going to say, well, I'm never going to do that again. It's not worth an argument. And so she'll just communicate love and say everything's good. And then you never grow. And if the goal is holiness and pursuing Christ in your marriage, uh, you're stunting your marriage relationship. And it won't be what God designed it to be. And so that's where grace comes in. It's the glue that holds those two together. Now, this is, this is the beautiful picture of a marriage relationship. When Julianne brings something up in my life that is wrong, I want to be quick to repent. I want to turn from it. Then you are impatient. Here's the instance. Julianne, you're right. I'm sorry. I will not do that again. I will do my best not to do that again. And then Julianne has to be forgiving. Then you said that last time. No, she said... All right, I forgive you. And, and then you grow together. So if you can have a spouse that is quick to repent and quick to forgive, that's called grace. Then you can be honest and loving and grow together. That is a beautiful picture of marriage. That's very, very difficult. Easy to say, very difficult to do. And so I want to leave you with this. It's a quote from uh, this book, and, and I want to leave it because I think it's obviously super important. It's called The Gospel of Grace. The gospel is this. We are far more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. You're worse than you think you are. All right? Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. God loves you more, even though you're worse than you ever believed you to be. That's a very important truth. We are so evil and flawed that Jesus had to die for us. We were so lost that nothing less than the death of the Son of God could save us. But... 
We are so loved and valued that he was willing to die for us. The Lord of the universe loved us enough to do that. So the gospel humbles us into the dust at the very same time, exalts us into the heavens. We are sinners, but completely loved and accepted in Christ at the same time. And because Jesus had laid down his life for us, forgiving at great cost to make us something beautiful, we can do the same thing for others. Our sins hurt Jesus infinitely more than your spouse's sins hurt you. Because Jesus can cover my sin, because of what he did at the cross, I can forgive some little sin Julianne commits against me. And it doesn't cost me my life or my blood like my sin cost Jesus. You see, when you see that grace poured on me, I can be gracious to others. If I am counseling a husband or a wife that refuses to forgive, I know for a fact they do not understand the grace that Christ has showed them. Because this type of grace, Jesus laying down his life for you, is transforming grace. And so this is what I want to leave you with. A couple of things, a couple of homework assignments. Health and fitness in the United States is a billion-dollar industry. Billions of dollars go into that. Education, billion-dollar industry. A lot of people want to improve. When I look at marriage, how much work do we put in to our marriage? So for the married couples in the room, I would encourage you to read good books. And I've got numerous books, some for husbands, some for wives, some for both. Like I think if you uh, committed to read The Meaning of Marriage or What Did You Expect um, Together, I think that would be healthy for your marriage. That's doing work together. Um, if you're a husband, The Complete Husband, th that would be helpful. Or there, there's a book out, The Complete Wife. Um, I haven't read that one. Um, I need to because I've got three girls coming up. And I want to be able to equip them. But you've got to do work. You will not accidentally fall into an awesome marriage. You won't do it. I have a better chance of accidentally falling into shape tomorrow. It won't happen. Right? This is work. And so I was, I was looking at a sign, and I was talking about being delusional. Being delusional. You can step on a scale and suck it in your stomach, but you're still going to weigh the same. If you keep doing the same things in marriage and think one day it's just going to be perfect, you're as delusional as the person stepping on the scale with the stomach st sucked in. And so this is what I want us to do. I want us to do some work. And so all of a sudden, you're like, well, I'm not married yet. Um, you better be careful. Because you never know when the right girl, when the right guy will show up. You don't get to, to pick that. And so what I would do is I would concentrate on walking with Christ. And, and then talking about companionship, don't pick someone that looks good and has no, uh, no sense of friendship. This is what I mean. I've got, I think I've got a picture of uh, Julianne and I. When we start a day, I'm not saying find an ugly girl or find an ugly guy. What I'm saying is don't let that be the main criteria. The main criteria has to be friendship, companionship. This is the best I have looked and will look. <laughs> right? Julianne has not changed. I had hair in this picture. And I was dressed, I mean, I had, you don't see them, black and white shoes. Man, I thought I was smooth. They looked awesome, right? I was in a nice suit. That's, you want to know the first thing to go into marriage relationships, your looks. But you want to know what's awesome? I'm replacing that with hopefully looking more and more like Christ every day. And Julianne's doing the same thing. Julianne is more beautiful today, 15 years later, than she was in the best dress she's ever worn. Why? Because we're on mission together. That's the goal of our marriage. And in 25 years, 
I probably look worse than I look now. But I hope I look more and more like Christ. Because one day I'm going to stand in front of him. And I hope Julian can say, I saw glimpses of that on earth. And look at you now. That's the goal of the marriage relationship. And then it's pointing to a greater marriage. If you're here today and you do not know Christ, do not waste another day. He dies so that you might have life. There is no greater love in the universe. You won't find that in a marriage relationship. You won't find that in any other relationship. Jesus loves you more than anybody else on the planet. Turn to him today. All right, I'm going to pray. And then I think Andrew's going to share just a little bit of announcements and then we'll be dismissed. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the people in the room. Lord, I pray that as we, we cover marriage, I pray that you heal wounds. I pray that you restore relationships. I pray that you give a purpose uh, to, to marriage. I pray that that gets into our hearts and changes our behaviors. I pray for strength. I pray that we glorify you and how we treat our spouse. Lord, I lift up the, the young guys and the young ladies that they pursue Jesus now. I pray that you bless them with spouses later. I pray for companions, for them that will help pursue Jesus together. Father, I pray for the marriages in the room now. I pray that we work hard so that we can be a reflection of your son and the church. It's in his name we pray. Amen.